It was disconcerting to see the sun arc in less than a minute. To see a snail race by. My flowers flinging wide their petals to embrace the new day. And the hours speeding across the face of my sundial. And the flowers closing their eyes for the night. It was wonderful. Changes that normally took hours occurring in seconds. Dear Mrs. Watchett, always able to tell me what tie to wear, but never able to decide to wear anything more stylish than the type of clothes she has worn all these years. And as yet I was traveling very slowly. What if I went faster? I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. Christmas, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is episode 844 for Sunday, December 19th, 2021. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's movie is H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Before I get into today's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to The Time Machine. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we will get into today's movie. Such stories as H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds and Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea have challenged mankind. So today, man is successfully probing deep into the mysteries of the universe. Can he penetrate the greatest mystery of all, time itself? of George Pell and the fabulous production know-how of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer to catapult you through time into a world that is yet to be. Why is it that we usually ignore the fourth dimension? You, you see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Inventor Rod Taylor's breakthrough into the realm of the fourth dimension is defied by his friend Alan Young. If that machine can do what you say it can, Destroy it, George, before it destroys you. Every moment is a year, hurtling through the atomic wars of the future on an incredible excursion into the unknown. What are the people like? Ah, the shape of things to come. It's lovely Yvette Mimieux. And what happens when boy meets girl thousands of years hence? How do they wear their hair? Who? The women of your time. Up like that. Show me. Is this the human race of the future? Or is this the Morlocks, fiendish creatures who live in a weird underground world? 
and the Eloi, the tranquil sunshine people, who the Morlocks dominate and maintain like cattle, luring them below with the hypnotic wail of the sirens to feed upon them in cannibalistic horror. The Time Machine is a 1960 American science fiction film produced and directed by George Powell. The screenplay was written by David Duncan. The Time Machine was based on the novel of the same name by H.G. Wells. The score was composed and conducted by Russell Garcia. The Time Machine stars Rod Taylor, Alan Young, Yvette Bemue, Sebastian Cabot, Tom Hillmore, and Whit Bissell. The Time Machine was released August 17, 1960, and has a running time of 103 minutes. The production budget for this film was $829,000, and it grossed $2.6 million at the box office. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Rod Taylor as H. George Wells and the narrator. Alan Young as David Philby and James Philby. Yvette Mimieux as Weena. Sebastian Cabot as Dr. Philip Hillier. Tom Hillmore as Anthony Bridewell. Whit Bissell as Walter Kemp. Doris Lloyd as Mrs. Watchett. And Paul Fries as the voice of the rings. And that's all I have now for movie information. Now let's get into today's movie. This movie was so good. I have so many clips from this movie. I'm just going to go in and have at it. So my first clip, I call it New Year's Eve, 1899. Well, can't you speak, man? What happened to you? Aren't you Leave him alone, speak? can't you? Oh, it's all right. I've got to tell it now, David, while I still remember it. Relax. Try to relax. You're all the time in the world. You're all right, David exactly what I have all the time in the world ever since we were together five days ago it's the last day of 1899 there in that box rests the result of two years labor I wanted to finish the job before the new century began I barely made it Cheers, gentlemen. Mm. Marvelous, old boy. Mm. Yes, but what is it? Well, it has to do with time. Oh, I've always maintained what this nation needs is a, a reliable timepiece. Mm. Navy needs one. <laughs> Army needs one. Uh, for the artillery, you know. Mm. Well, you couldn't do better, George. So that's why you've been in hiding, eh? That's very clever of you, indeed. I don't think George is referring to a new type of timepiece. No, David. When I speak of time, gentlemen, I'm referring to the fourth dimension. Go on, George. Well, the difficulty in explaining the fourth dimension is that it cannot be seen or felt. If you don't mind, George, would you refresh me on the, on the first three dimensions? Oh. Really, Philby, surely they taught you something in school? <laughs> Suppose you explain it, Doctor. Huh? Oh, certainly. <laughs> well, for example, when I move in a straight line, uh, forward or backward, that's one dimension. And when I move to the left or right, two dimensions. And when I move up or down, three dimensions. For instance, that box. Well, that box has three dimensions, length, breadth, and height. Yes, but what is the fourth dimension? Oh, well, that's it. Oh, that's mere theory. No one really knows what the fourth dimension is or even that it exists. On the contrary, Doctor. The fourth dimension is as real and true a dimension as any of the other three. In fact, they couldn't exist without it. 
What do you mean? Well, let's take that box. It has the first three dimensions, as you said. Oh, all right, but what's in that box? I'm coming to that. Let's consider this first. Why is it that we usually ignore the fourth dimension? Because we have no freedom of movement within it. You see, we can move in the other three. Up, down, forward, sideways, backward, as the doctor said. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Do you follow me, Bright? No. George, you've given a most lucid explanation and all that, but I'm afraid I don't quite understand. Walter, look, there are many things in this world you don't understand, aren't there? Yes, quite. Quite a number. Well, you don't refuse to believe in them because of that, do you? No, not if I can see the proof with my own eyes. Good, Walter. Gentlemen, all I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. My next clip is The Experiment. Doctor, could I have your help? Oh, certainly, certainly. Nice job. Fascinating. What is it? This is only a small experimental model, of course. To carry a man, a larger edition is needed. To carry a man? Where? Into the past or into the future? This is a time machine. All right, George, now you've had your little joke. Suppose you tell us what this contraption's really for. I've already told you, Doctor. The larger model can be used to carry a passenger on a journey through time. Not through space, mind you, but through time. I say, George, if you're going to start floating about in the future, aren't you going to rather mess things up for the rest of us? No, the future's already there. It's irrevocable and cannot be changed. I wonder. You know, that's the most important question to which I hope to find an answer. Can man control his destiny? Can he change the shape of things to come? Oh, now, look here, George. If you've gone out of your head, I forgive you. But if you've made us waste all this time listening to you uh, talk so much... No, 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 Doctor. You're here as witnesses. To see, not to listen. To see? What? The experiment I am about to perform. First, let me tell you how it works. Here, in this compartment, you see the saddle where the time traveler sits. And in front of him are the controls. Uh, wait, let's do this properly. You can spare a cigar, I trust, Doctor? Now, let us imagine that this cigar is the time traveler. Now, in front of him is the lever which controls movement. Forward pressure sends the machine into the future. Backward pressure into the past. And the harder the pressure, the faster the machine travels. Of course, our little experiment can be performed only once. If it succeeds... I lose my model forever. That's why I need witnesses. Go ahead, George. You ready, gentlemen? Doctor, you can't lend me your hand. My next clip is The Non-Believers. I'll be damned. It worked. But where did it go? Go? 
Nowhere in the usual sense. It's still here. But, but, but it's no longer in the present. Do you realize it's traveling through time? To the future, to be exact. Do you really expect us to believe such a story? Will you, will you just... Well, certainly. But you yourself just said that it hadn't really moved. That's correct. Well, then why can't we see it? Because we're in this room on the 31st of December, 1899, but the model we just saw is perhaps a, a hundred years away by now. Th this room, even this whole house, may not be here in a hundred years. But the time machine occupies the same, the same space that it did a moment before it went off on its journey. Well, if it's occupying the same space, it, well, why can't I feel it? You must remember that the space you're putting your hand through is today's space. <laughs> you can't put your hand into the space of tomorrow. The space is space. It doesn't change. The same space that's here now should be here in a hundred or even a thousand years. No, now. Philip. Time changes space. <sighs> Look, th th this flat ground we're standing on could have been at the, at the bottom of the sea a million years ago. And a million years from now, it could, it, it could be the interior of a huge mountain. All right, all right. Suppose what you say is true. What do you expect us to do with such a contraption? Contraption? For my part, I intend taking a journey into the future. Or perhaps the doctor would volunteer to go. <laughs> but look here, George. Supposing you do go off and get lost in the 50th century or something. How are you going to get back? That's a risk I'm prepared to take. Oh, now, look here, George. I don't know what you take us for, but we're not fools, you know. We're practical men, businessmen. No, 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 George, the question I want to put to you is this. Even if you had invented a time machine or whatever you call it, what of it? What use would it be to anyone? Who would want to buy it? And how much would they be willing to pay for it? Yes, George, have you thought of the commercial possibilities? No, I really haven't. George, there's a war on, you know, in South Africa. The Boers are putting up a pretty stiff fight. Oh, George, the country needs inventors like you. Now, I can put you in touch with the war office if you wish. What do you think, David? Oh, I think Dr. Hilliard has a good point, George. <sighs> now we're becoming more sensible. I see to it first thing in the new year. Good Lord, it's your time to go, gentlemen. Oh, yes, I'm sure we all have our plans for tonight. <laughs> Are you all right, George? Yes, I'm all right, Brad. Hmm. Coming, Bradwell? Thank you for coming. Good night, George. Happy New Year, George. Happy New Century, George. Good night, Brad. My next clip is George and Philby. George. Thought I better stay. Well, you shouldn't have troubled yourself, David. I'm all right. No, you're not. You've been behaving oddly for over a month now. I'm not leaving here until you tell me what's on your mind. Look, David, I appreciate the gesture. But I, I just want to be left alone, that's all. You've changed, George. Enormously. I'm sorry. Will you answer me one question? Honestly. Yes, I'll try. Why this preoccupation with dying? Why not? Oh, don't go simple on me, George. All right, if you want to know the truth, I don't much care for the time I was born into. It seems people aren't dying fast enough these days. They call upon science to invent new, more efficient weapons to depopulate the earth. And I agree with you. I agree, George. But here we are, and, and we have to make the best of it. You may have to. I don't. All right. Take your, take your journey on your contraption. What would you become? A Greek? A Roman? One of the pharaohs? I prefer the future. You're not seriously saying you can't do it. David, 
David, you saw the experiment this afternoon, didn't you? I saw a toy machine vanish. Certainly, there are any number of ways of doing that trick. Any magician at the Hippodrome could probably do it. It wasn't a trick. Would you like to see the full-scale model? No, I would not. I have no desire to tempt the laws of providence. And I don't think you should... It's not for man to trifle with. Oh, you're carrying on like Hillier and Kemp now. There is something to say about their common-sense attitude to life. George, I speak to you as a friend. More. As a brother. If that machine can do what you say it can, destroy it. Destroy it, George, before it destroys you. You must have plans for New Year's Eve, David. Don't let me keep you. Mary wasn't well. We thought we'd stay home with the baby. Why don't you come home with me? You haven't seen me, Jamie, for a long time. I'm sorry I can't, David. What's stopping you? Well, look, I, I just want to see the old century out by myself. That's all. Have it your way, George. George? Will you promise you'll not go out of the house tonight? I promise you I won't walk out the door. Davy. I'm sorry. Please don't think me unkind or unfriendly. I, I... Look, just come over to dinner next Friday, will you? Very well. Fine. Bring the others with you. As you say, George. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, David. The next clip is George visits it visits. 1917. Well, what are you doing? Going to a masquerade party? You look rather silly without your moustache, old man. Were you addressing me, sir? Philby, it's George. Well, I must say, I expected a little more enthusiastic a greeting. I think you're confusing me with my father, sir. Yes, there was quite a resemblance. I'm James Philby. Was? Were you a friend of father's? Yes, sir. Yes, I've been away. He was killed in the war. A year ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. What about the gentleman across the street? Oh, oh, him, the inventor chap. He disappeared around the turn of the century. Look here, if you're interested in that house, sir, I'm afraid you can't buy it. Can't even get inside. Why is that? Well, my father was executor of the inventor's estate, and father just refused to liquidate it. I often chided him in that account, but... He felt positive the owner would return someday. People hereabouts think it's haunted, but... <laughs> who are you, sir? Just a stranger who once knew your father. Have you been at the front? Front? What front? Why, the, the war, of course. What war? Good. Heavens, you mean you don't know we've been at war with Germany since 1914? I thought you'd just returned from France, perhaps. Or perhaps... Perhaps a, a cup of tea might make you feel better, sir. Won't you come in? No, no, thank you. Are you sure you're all right, sir? Yes, I'm quite all right. Then, 
Goodbye, Jamie. My next clip is George Visits, 1966. The years rolled by. Everything unfamiliar. Except the, uh, <coughs> the smile of my never-aging friend. But what was this? Weird sounds all around me. What could it be? My curiosity compelled me to stop. At first I wondered if my machine and I were the cause of the panic. soon to find out that we weren't. Keep it moving here, shove it on. Come on, into the shelter. Mr. Philby, and didn't you hear the air raid siren? You mean the horrible screeching? It wasn't constructed for its aesthetic value, young man, but to warn silly young fools like you to get into the shelter. Now, come along, come along. But but, but I'm perfectly comfortable here, Mr. Philby. I've got to talk to somebody. This is fantastic. Your store is magnificent. The the splendid achievements, the the, the gigantic strides that mankind has... Come along, young man, come along, come along. You'd better hurry or the mushrooms will be sprouting. Mushrooms? You look familiar. Haven't we met somewhere before? Indeed we have, Mr. Philby. Right there, many years ago. I was sure of that, but the exact time escapes me. It was two wars ago, 1917. Now I recall the chap who inquired about my father and the house that used to stand across the way. Oh, no, no, that's impossible. You haven't changed. You're not a day older. And your clothes. Don't don't worry, Philby. It'll take a little time to explain, but you see... That's the last alert. Hurry, hurry. No, but but listen, this is important. Look. Atomic satellite zeroing in. That's important. My next clip is Encased in Stone. (laughs) Only my speed through time saved me from being roasted alive and encased in stone forever. The molten rock cooled. I prayed. Wondering how many centuries, how many eons must pass before the wind and rain could wear away the mountain that enclosed me.
I wondered if there was still war being waged on the ground above me. If man would still exist on earth when I saw the sun again. The centuries rolled by. I put my trust in time and waited for the rock to wear down around me. I was free again. Thousands of centuries had passed, but the earth had stayed green. There was no winter, no wars. Had man finally learned to control both the elements and himself? I had to stop and find out. My next clip is George and Weena. Thank you. Why did you? Why did I what? Come after me. Sit down. I did it to save your life. That doesn't seem to mean much to you or anybody else around here. It doesn't. Do you realize there are about 20 of your friends watching you drown? Not one of them so much as lifted a finger to save you. It's a very curious attitude. Very curious world. Uh, aren't you the least bit interested in, in who I am? Where I come from? Should I be? I think perhaps you better take me to somebody a little older. Somebody I can talk to. There is no one older. You mean nobody ages in this land of yours? What's your name? Weena. Weena. How do you spell it? Spell? Spell, right. Can't you write? Huh. Weena. What are your people called? Eloy. <laughs> Come, we must go now. Why? What's wrong? It's getting dark. What? My next clip is the Eloy. Hello. <laughs> I, I don't mind telling you, I'm quite hungry. I've come a long, long way. <clears throat> you know, in my time, a, a berry that size would have been big news all over the civilized world. Excuse me, sir. Uh, sir? Perhaps curiosity has died, perhaps even... Courtesy has died, but I have come a long way, and I would like to know a few things. Why? Well, because uh, I shall return to my time, and and my people will ask me questions. Oh, such as, uh, well, what kind of government rules your world? We have no government. Well, you must have a um, a body of men who pass and enforce laws. Laws? There are no laws. Where do you get your food and clothing? Doesn't anybody work? No. Well, where does all that come from? It grows. It always grows. Yes, I know, but it, it must be cultivated and planted and nurtured. Well, unless you... Well, you, you, you mean you have an economy so well-developed that you can, you can spend all your time um, studying and experimenting, is that right? You ask many questions. Well, well, that is the only way that man has learned and developed. I wish to learn. 
I want to learn about you, about your civilization. Perhaps you... Do you have books? Books? Yes, we have books. Oh, wonderful. I can learn all I want about you from books. Books will tell me what I want to know. Could I see the books? The next clip is called The Books. Yes, they do tell me all about you. What have you done? Thousands of years of building and rebuilding, creating and recreating so you can let it crumble to dust. A million years, the sensitive men dying for their dreams. For what? So you can swim and dance and play. I won't even bother to tell of the useless struggle of the hopeless future. But at least I can die among men. Yeah. Uh. The next clip is The Morlocks. Weena, what, what are you doing? I heard you pounding. I came to warn you. Weena, how do you open that panel? No one opens it. Only the Morlocks. The Morlocks? Well, who are the Morlocks? They give us the food we eat and the clothes we wear. We must obey their command. Why have they taken my machine? Well, you've got to tell me. But it is night. We mustn't be out in the dark. Only little children are frightened by the dark. And you are a little child, aren't you? Well, don't be frightened. I'll light a fire. Please, let us go. You know, I can't. My machine is inside there. I've got to wait here till morning and find some way of getting it out. No, you mustn't. Come on. Help me gather some wood. Come on. That's the girl. Where are you from? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm from right here. That's where my house used to be. Many thousands of years ago. You see there? From there up to those panels was my laboratory. And then beyond the panels was where my garden used to be. right there that was my library where I once sat talking with friends about the time machine mm. you know Weena I'd hope to take back the knowledge and the advancement that mankind had made Instead, I find vegetables. The human race reduced to living vegetables. My next clip is another George and Weena moment. What are you doing? Why did you put your hand in the fire? I never saw it before. You... No knowledge of fire? No books, no. I'm terribly sorry. I'm sorry I was angry with your people. I had no right to be. No more than if I'd visited the island of Bali in my own time. But you know, Weena, you were safe inside your great house and yet you came out into the night to warn me. 
The one characteristic which distinguished man from the animal kingdom was was the spirit of self-sacrifice. And you have that quality. I think all you people have it, really. It, it just needs someone to reawaken it. I should like to try, if you let me. Will you? I do not understand you. But I believe you. <laughs> it's as good a start as any. Try to tell me, the Morlocks, who or what are the Morlocks? Are they animals or people? Well, what about yourself? The past. Don't you people ever speak of the past? There's no past. Well, do they ever wonder about the future? There's no future. Past, man's past, is, is mainly a grim struggle for survival. But there have been moments when a few voices have spoken up. And these rare moments have made the history of man, man's past, a glorious thing. I refuse to believe it's dead and gone. We've had our dark ages before, and this is just another one of them. All it needs is for someone to show you the way out. I'm only a tinkering mechanic, but I'm sure there must be this hidden spark in one of your people. If only I can kindle that spark. My coming here will have some meaning. My next clip is The Talking Rings. My efforts next morning to open the panel were fruitless. I had to find another way to retrieve my machine. Listen. Weenie, you hear that? Yes. Machines? No, Morlocks. Wait, you mean those animals run machines? They are Morlocks. But have you ever seen the machines? No, only heard of them. Well, who told you? The rings. What sort of rings? Rings that talk. Could you show me these talking rings? Come this way. These are the talking rings? Speak. Of what? Things no one here understands. Make it talk. The war between the East and West, which is now in its 326th year, has at last come to an end. There is nothing left to fight with and few of us left to fight. The atmosphere has become so polluted with deadly germs that it can no longer be breathed. There is no place on this planet that is immune. The last surviving factory for the manufacture of oxygen has been destroyed. Stockpiles are rapidly diminishing, and when they are gone, we must die. talking rings, I learned how the human race divided itself and how the world of the Eloi and the Morlocks began. By some awful quirk of fate, the Morlocks had become the masters and the Eloi their servants. 
the Morlocks maintained them and bred them like... like cattle, only to take them below when they reached maturity. Which explained why there were no older people among them. Now I knew I must go below. It was the only means of finding a way up into the Sphinx Wait, to reach my machine and find out what happened to the little people when they did go below. Don't go. My next clip is all clear. Well, what happens to them? Don't stand there like fatted cattle, will you answer me? What is wrong? There is nothing wrong. It is all clear. What do you mean, all clear? All clear. The middle 1900s, the falling bombs, the people calling out, oh, all clear. No, that's gone, that's past. There are no more flying machines, no more bombs, no more wars. The rings have told us that story. But you didn't listen. You didn't learn anything. It was ages ago that men were, were taught to hide below the ground when the sirens blew, to, to run from the reigning death, but it's over. Those men are dead. The men who slaughtered them are dead. But there is nothing to fear. It is all clear. What about the ones who went below? How do you think, how do you think they're going to come back? They never come back. Nobody can bring them back. You can try. You can try. Won't even, won't even one of you try. Well, I'll try. My next clip is the truth. So this was the destiny of the Eloi. They were being bred by the Morlocks who had degenerated into the lowest form of human life. Cannibalism. My next clip is another George and Weena moment. Another night was coming, but this night, no Eloy needed to fear. The underworld of the Morlocks was gone. And so was the life of leisure for the Eloi. But then what of me? I was imprisoned in a world in which I just did not belong. Are you sorry? Hmm? Sorry? Sorry for what? That you have to stay. Yes. I'm sorry because I could tell so much to the people of my time, Weena. I could let them know about... about the sorrow and the happiness that the future has in store for them. Maybe they could learn from it. Or could they? You don't want to stay, do you? Oh, it isn't that. Just that I don't really fit here any more than you would in my time. I would love to see your time. Mm -mm. You wouldn't be very happy there. Do you have someone there? Someone like me? No, no one like you. I have friends, of course, friends who will miss me. As a matter of fact, I'm probably late already. Women? No. As a matter of fact, there is one woman. But she looks out for my house for me, and she's 62 years old and all wrinkled. And <laughs> Thank you. How do they wear their hair? Who? The women of your time. Up. Up? Up how? Oh, I don't know. Kind of up like that show me
Would I be pretty? Yes, you would. Very pretty. Oh, Weena. I wish we could go back to my time. Or even to the time before that when the world was young. We could be very happy. My next clip is George Returns Home. Well, it's the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. Absolutely preposterous. Well, there's one thing I'll say for old George. You always could tell a good yarn. You're a truly great inventor, George. I think you ought to retire. And truthfully, George, where have you been the past week? Now, you shouldn't ask such questions, Walter. It's not hard for a man to lose a little weak now and again. I can understand your doubt, my friends. Take it as a lie if you wish. I scarcely believe it myself now that I'm back. David, there's the flower Weena gave me. David, a present for you. You were always interested in botany. Try and match that with any species known today. think I can? Well, time to go, Bridewell. Hmm? All right. Yes, yes, it is getting late. Good night, George. Hmm? All right. Good night, George. Good night. You look exhausted, George. I really should get some rest. Good night, George. It's grand having you back. Goodbye, David. Thanks for being such a good friend, David. Always. My last clip is George returns to Weena. George? I understand. You see the imprint? This is where the time machine originally stood. But the Moorlocks moved it. They dragged it across the lawn, right into the Sphinx, right there. And Weena was standing here when he last saw her. Right here, the same space in a different time. So, He dragged his heavy machine back in here, scratching the floor, so that he could appear outside the Sphinx again and help the Eloi build a new world. Build a new world for himself. Right where he left her. It's not like George to return empty-handed, to try to rebuild a civilization without a plan. He must have taken something with him. Nothing. Except three books. Which three books? I don't know. Is it important? I suppose not. Only, which three books would you have taken? Mr. Philby, do you think he'll ever return? One cannot choose but wonder. You see, he has all the time in the world. 
And that's it for today's movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. The Time Machine won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects in 1961. Alan Young, who played David Philby and James Philby, is the only actor to appear in both the original film and the remake. The miniature version of the Time Machine was kept by producer-director George Powell. It was lost when Powell's house was destroyed by a fire in 1974. The shape of the Time Machine itself was inspired by one of George Powell's favorite types of childhood vehicle, a sled. This is the reason for the sled-like design of the machine so it could slide through time. Rod Taylor stood just under six foot, six foot tall. In an event, in an uh, Rod Taylor stood just under six, six feet. Uh, let's try that one more time. Rod Taylor stood just under six feet tall. In an effort to make him appear larger, therefore more impressive, all the Eloy and Morlocks were played by shorter actors. The lava in the volcano scene in downtown London was actually oatmeal with orange and red food coloring spilled upon a platform and then slowly moved down the miniature set. During George's stop in August 19, 1966, the air raids are the air raid wardens. Let's try that again. During George's stop in August 19, 1969, the air raid wardens are wearing gray C-57D crew uniforms from the film Forbidden Planet. The Time Machine was Rod Taylor's first leading role and, a de- and the debut for Yvette Memieu. The Time Machine appears and then d- the Time Machine appears and then disappears in the Inventor's Convention scene in Gremlins. It also appears in the Big Bang Theory. George Powell originally consider, considered considered hmm, George Powell originally considered having a middle-aged British actor such as David Niven, James Mason, or Paul Schofield as George. He later changed his mind and selected a younger Australian actor, Rod Taylor, to give the, the character more a, a more athletic and idealistic dimension. There are exactly 365 rivets on the disc of the time machine, one for each day of the year. An Australian actor has played the time traveler in all four productions of the time machine. Russell Napier, Rod Taylor, Guy Pearce, and Mark Lee. And that's all I have for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every TV show or movie I watch. Believe it or not, the time machine has two Star Trek connections. The first Star Trek connection is Whit Bissell. He played Walter Kemp in today's movie. He also appeared on the second season episode of the original series, The Trouble with Tribbles. He was Mr. Lurie, the K-7 space station manager. The second Star Trek connection is Wa Chang. He was a special photographic effects technician on today's movie. He would later go on to be a costume and prop designer for Star Trek. He made the costumes for the Salt Vampire in the Mantrap, the Gorn in Arena, Belloc's face false head in the Corbinite Maneuver, and the Neanderthals in Galileo 7. He also created props like the Tribbles from the Trouble with Tribbles, the Romulan Bird of Prey in Balance of Terror, Terror uh, the Vulcan Harp in Amok Time, and the Communicator and the Tricorder. And that's all I have for the Star Trek Connection. Here are my comments about today's movie. I watched the 2010 DVD release from Turner Classic Movies and Warner Brothers Home Video. The picture and sound quality were pretty good in this movie. The DVD comes with the theatrical trailer and a 47-minute long behind-the-scenes documentary called Time Machine, The Journey Back. It's hosted by Rod Taylor, featuring Alan Young and Whit Bissell. This documentary is really, really, really good. It's worth watching. Uh, it's basically a behind the scenes on about the actual time machine and how uh, what has happened to it. it. It even ended up in a thrift store at one point 
and it had to be redone. And um, it's a really good documentary. And then there's a scene where they take Rod Taylor and Alan Young and they reprise their roles as George and David, but it, he, they reprise it and do it like the day before David dies in the plane crash. And it's really, really good. You should check it out. Um, first of all, the story is great. It comes from the grandfather of all science fiction, H.G. Wells himself. You can't go wrong there. Um, the acting I thought was really, really, really good. I enjoyed Rod Taylor as the time traveler. I thought he was great. But I have to tell you that watching Rod Taylor act, he would he could be in a Starfleet uniform. He's got that Captain Kirk charisma. You know what I mean? Um, speaking of that, I couldn't see David Niven, uh, Paul Schofield, or James Mason in that role. That would just be weird because Weena is like 17 and they're like 150. That just, I don't know. That, that just wouldn't work for me. Uh, I think Yvette Mimu did a great job. She was perfect as an Eloy. She looked innocent. She acted innocent. She was very childlike, innocent, and naive. Um, I really like George's friends. I call them the naysayers because they were, they were perfect skeptics in the movie. George, you shouldn't be thinking about that kind of stuff. We've got to th- get some money, George. <laughs> they were really good. Um, the Morlocks were scary. I remember watching this movie as a kid and the Morlocks used to scare me to death. It's their glowing eyes and their fangs. That's really, really scary. But as an adult now, eh, not so much. Um, the coolest thing is the time machine. It looks really, really cool. It's, it's Victorian because there's going to, there's a lot of brass on it, a lot of stained glass, crushed velvet. And look at the seat. It's like, wow, that seat looks like it came out of a 1978 Buick Electra Limited Coupe. That's what it looks like. It looks great. But like I said, there's a lot of brass, colored glass, crushed velvet. Very Victorian. Um, This movie holds up really good, in my opinion. Um, I've watched it probably 12, 13 times by now. And I enjoy it every time. They did make a remake of this movie in, in 2002. And it starred Guy Pearce and Jeremy Irons. Same plot, basically. Um, it was okay. I mean, I, I I prefer the one, the first one with George Powell's version out of the two. Hands down. It's a better movie. Better looking movie, better acting. It's just a better movie. Um, I would recommend this movie to all science fiction fans. If you haven't seen it, you have got to see it. It's probably five or ten bucks at Amazon. It's worth the money. And on a scale from one to ten... This movie gets a solid 8.5, maybe 9 if you pushed it out of 10. It's a great movie. It's a must-see. And those are my comments about The Time Machine. That's it for today's podcast. Before I wrap up today's podcast, I want to thank Rico again for giving me another opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll end this podcast with the main theme to today's movie. It was written and composed by Russell Garcia. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. Until then, everyone take care and have a very Merry Christmas. This is M5 signing off.